You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. Welcome to this episode of the Disease Du Jour podcast. We are going to talk to the Merck Animal Health Equine Professional Veterinary Services team about the recent AAEP convention. Our guests today are Drs. Bryant Craig, Dwayne Chapel, Chrissy Schneider, Cara Wright, and Philip Van Hereveld. Thank you, everyone, for joining us today on the Disease Du Jour podcast. And today we're going to chat with each of these veterinarians to see what they found most beneficial at the recent AAEP convention held in San Antonio, Texas. Dr. Craig is the Associate Director of Equine Professional Services at Merck. Let's start with you, Dr. Craig, and you can let each of your team members tell us a little more about themselves. Well, good morning, Kim, and thanks for having us on today. Excited to wrap up this year's AAP once again. It was a very busy time uh, with lots of good interaction and, and education available as well. Um, Couple things I wanted to to highlight from from my journey at AAP. Number one was a sustainability sunrise session that we had the pleasure of hosting as Merck Animal Health. We had our own Dr. Van Hereveld as part of the panel, and then practitioners from all across the country, all different kinds of practices and perspectives, and just a ton of good information was exchanged between the panel and the audience. And so if anybody has a chance to to go back and listen to that, I would encourage it. Um, we're going to do a similar type panel next year. So look forward to that um, at San Diego. So that was kind of the first one that I experienced this year. Um, next, kind of on the heels of that, our own Dr. Wright did a framework for practice um, and her talk was full of great um, tips and strategies for a successful veterinary career and again one that I would go back and listen to again and get your notepad out because there were lots and lots of things that I wish somebody had told me in the first couple of years of practice or the last couple of years of practice um, there are just many many things that that I found helpful in that talk. And last but certainly not least, I wanted to touch on Vet Story Night. So we we once again hosted with the help of some of the other companies out there, and we were able to raise $285,000 for the Foundation for the Horse. So quite an amazing number for the second year in a row. We we topped a quarter million dollars in one night for the Foundation for the Horse and just continues to be a great event practitioners to have some fun, listen to some great stories and great entertainment, and all the while a significant amount of money for the foundation. So with that, I will pass it on to Dr. Chapel for his recap. Well, and before Dr. Chapel speaks, I have to put in a, a, a little note here. I was I, I was in the sunrise session. We are our different uh, reporters go in, in different sunrise sessions, and I was in the Merck one that morning. And I have to say, that to me represented a turning point. It is the first time I've ever been in a sunrise session about business that was up against health topics. And there was standing room only in that crowd. And it was an amazing presentation, lots of tips, really engaged audience. I just just want to say that was if I agree with uh, Dr. Craig, if you can go back and and find some information about that, I think I think it was great and some really good practitioners. So I'm sorry, didn't mean to to steal some of your your uh, thunder there, Dr. Chapel. Tell us a little bit about yourself, and then what did you find uh, the best 
at AAP this year? Thank you, Kim. I, I, uh, my role, as many of you know, or have talked to me on the phone, is primarily pharmacovigilance. So along the way, if you have uh, challenges with one of our Merck products, you'll likely be speaking with me. My uh, hallmark thing that I always look toward at AEP each year is networking. And I was so thankful for the ability just to renew friendships, uh, create new ones, uh, all the learning conversations we have in the hallways or during the evening events. Um, that's a highlight for me each year. I'm going to launch into to three different areas that uh, really made an impact on me. One of them is I've had the opportunity to chair the Professional Conduct and Ethics Committee. And this year, we uniquely opened that session to the membership. And typically, that's a closed session because of the sensitivity of some um, concerns that we have to address each year. But this year, we didn't have any of those concerns. So we're able to open it up. And we had a nice uh, gallery of folks that participated in conversations we had. Let me just highlight a couple things. One is, uh, oftentimes, as members, we don't realize what the charge or actions a particular committee is supposed to have. So I want to review that quickly with you. Uh, the Committee for Professional Conduct and Ethics is to review and analyze ethical issues facing the AAEP membership, to formulate and review recommendations relative to AAEP's position statements as they pertain to ethical practice, and to develop a conduct uh, and review procedure for evaluating complaints and allegations of unethical practice by AEP members. All that to say, that makes us sound like all we are is a review board, but actually our greater charge is about educating our membership. And so with that, that's where a lot of the discussion conversations went. And once again, uh, my encouragement to you to fill out that volunteer interest form, try to find ways to get engaged in some of these committees, because I think you'll find that your voice does matter. And, and it definitely was well heard this year in our committee. Uh, one of the topics we talked about, and will be more information coming to the membership, is conflict of interest concerns by some of our members uh, of, associated with product or service testimonies or advertisements. And there'll be more coming out in the EVE publication, but I just want to throw that teaser out there. Uh, also, there's been some awareness uh, by our scientific review committee that puts together the convention proceedings each year. And there will be some changes made to that going forward because of the nature of how abstracts are submitted in a blind fashion. Reviewers don't always have uh, a good insight to possibly somebody submitting an article that maybe um, has had some recent actions on their particular uh, licensing or uh, role that they do day to day that might impact that presentation. So that's going to change a little bit. Um, we will be once again involved in doing a Wednesday night roundtable discussion as uh, we put together a topic for June. And then uh, once again, we'll continue to do EVE submissions every other month uh, from this committee. This year, we're going to use the theme associated with sustainability and retention task force. Um, and so they'll be topical each month or every other month, rather, uh, specific to that. 
Uh, I had the opportunity to do a, a first for me, which was to do a presentation at AEP this year on our biosurveillance program, uh, specific to looking at equine influenza, and just to hit some 30,000 foot view high points, I think would benefit a practitioner. Uh, approximately 10% of our submitted nasal swab cases uh, from veterinarians across the United States, we were well represented in this study with 42 states submitting uh, samples from over 300 veterinary clinics. And we continue to see those hallmark clinical signs being fever, cough, and nasal discharge, but cough and, uh, especially stood out statistically to be very unique to influenza. Not a differentiator if you're out there seeing a respiratory case and trying to decide, do I submit a nasal swab or can I just go on clinical signs? Because the reminder to all of us is all of these clinical signs look very similar from pathogen to pathogen. So it's important to get those swabs submitted. Uh, if we're looking at playing the percentages or odds, the flu season is most prevalent typically in March through May and has an increasing trend leading up to that in the December to February time period. But also to know we found and we continue to find equine influenza every month of the year. So it should not be ruled out of any differential list as we think, well, summertime's here and flu doesn't occur. It, it does happen. And then finally, um, through the Professional Conduct and Ethics Committee, we're able to, as a company, Merck Animal Health, along with Zoetis, co-sponsor a, a morning session. This year it was titled Mentoring Ethics and Equine Practice and Framing the Future. Um, I was able to deliver a presentation that uh, had the support of a couple other committee members, Dr. Liz Arbitier and Dr. Barb Crabe, Crab, excuse me, to help us, help me put this topic together and identify resources to make this hopefully an impactful and useful uh, information session. We started out looking at uh, an article in this presentation that was submitted to the ACVIM journal and kind of established a backdrop or foundation for the importance of having a proactive mentoring relationship in every veterinary practice. Then uh, there was a, a quote that I came across from Zig Ziglar that I think really kind of bookended for me was leaders often worry and ask, what if we spend all this money training people and they leave? But the bigger question is, what if we don't train them and they stay? And I think that's uh, somewhat of the crux of where we're at in equine practice today as they look at sustainability and retention is the investment necessary to really uh, plug somebody into a practice to be effective and impactful in a lot of ways is dependent upon a good training session on the front end. Um, I was able to present a program called Mentoring Matters that had the following key components, uh, role model evaluation and awareness. Not everyone's meant to be a mentor and recognition of that's pretty important. Uh, the second one's professional identity formation, which we see very intently done in the medical profession or human medical profession. Practice culture evaluation is always important and should be an ongoing um, review process. Identifying personal and professional boundaries, as we heard from our uh, uh, opening speaker. And then finally, the importance of just open and transparent communication systems. 
that uh, support a positive feedback system. Uh, after that, we had a nice panel discussion uh, with Dr. Leanne Kuhlbeck, Shane Baird, Rachel Leapman, and Fairfield Bain. Wrestled through some really kind of challenging topics, one being who, the, who does the veterinarian serve? Um, from an ethical perspective, how do we train our mentees to work through that challenge? Also included in that discussion was related to um, topics about debriefing after a tenuous or challenging ethical dilemma. And then finally, does is there an impact on moral stress that uh, we need to work through in our veterinary profession? And finally, to round this out, Kim, I just want to highlight a particular scholarship that AAP is able to uh, have the involvement to give each year, and that's the Coyote Rock Ranch Scholarship. Um, through the uh, unwavering, gracious gift of Mrs. Knight and the Coyote Rock Ranch, uh, this year we were able to distribute four $75,000 scholarships that uh, truly are life-changing, going to make a difference in those four recipients. And Mrs. Knight has also pledged uh, $600,000 to continue the scholarship for the next two years. And I think that's something important, not only for our membership to know, but to encourage our current veterinary students to apply for in the years to come. With that, that I will pass the ball with on to Dr. Schneider. Well, and that is great news. And we really want to highlight people like Mrs. Wright and the Coyote Rock Ranch Scholarship because that, that makes a tremendous difference. So I'm sorry, Dr. Schneider. Go ahead. Hi, Kim. Uh, thanks for having us again. Uh, I am Dr. Chrissy Schneider. I'm one of the professional services veterinarians um, here on the Merck Equine team, and I'm based in Columbus, Ohio. Um, I, like Dr. Chapel and Dr. Craig, had a great time at AAP. It was so nice to see everybody, as always. It's a whirlwind um, and something I look forward to every year for sure. Um, so the the sessions that I want to highlight, um, the ones that I had some take home messages to pass along to our audience. Uh, the first is the keynote session, um, which was sponsored by Mark Animal Health, and the speaker was John Townsend. Um, he's a, a pretty well known um, speaker and author <clears throat> in the boundary space, if you will, and so his. Uh, lecture, his presentation was entitled Boundaries, When to Say Yes and How to Say No When You Need To. Um, it was, you know, kind of a, a information packed hour, um, but kind of the take home messages are um, how important this topic is. So one of the quotes from his um, session uh, is without boundaries, one is headed for burnout, compassion fatigue, and potentially a different career, which I think we all know um, equine veterinary medicine is kind of at a, a turning point, a crux here. So um, clearly this is important and relevant to where we are today. And then he had, uh, Dr. Townsend had a, a take-home exercise, if you will, and recommended that one way to kind of prioritize and set boundaries and know kind of what activities um, are important in your life and that you need to kind of set up boundaries around to preserve that time um, is to create a task priorities page. Um, and he recommends including the, the following four headings. The first are activities that are must do and time fixed. 
So things that you can't reschedule and no one else can do for you. For example, the, the example he used was attending your child's ballet recital. You can't reschedule that and no one else can take your seat. Um, the next um, heading in that task priorities page, he recommends to outline the must do and time flexible. So things that can be rescheduled if need be um, and no one else can do for you, um, such as exercise um, or dinner at home with your family, maybe a certain number of nights a month. So it doesn't necessarily have to be this Tuesday, but we need to do that you know, fairly regularly. The third um, heading he recommended was important activities, but not must do. So things like keeping up with office maintenance and updating practice technology, it needs to be done. Maybe it can be done by somebody else um, or not at a particular time. And then the fourth category is the would be nice category. So things that you would like to do, um, whether that's a spa day or uh, maybe a Netflix binge weekend, um, that would be nice to, to have on your calendar at some point, but can be moved around um, depending on what else is going on. So I thought that was kind of a good take home um, like activity that somebody could do if you're trying to, to clarify for yourself um, what activities in your life are important and you can kind of have it all laid out in front of you. So another session I found to be really helpful um, was a table topic, and uh, it was the field neurology table topic that doctors uh, Monica Alleman and Steve Reed um, kind of moderated. And um, these were not recorded, so unfortunately you can't go back and watch this. Um, it was re-offered uh, live, so kind of they did another table topic for the virtual attendees um, that took place, I believe, on November 29th. So. Um, something that if you do the virtual option for AAP in the future, uh, you won't be able to watch recorded table topics, but you'll be able to sit in on them live um, after the fact, which I think is a, a great idea. So Dr. Elliman and Dr. Reed did a great job discussing their approaches to the equine neurologic exam, and they used videos and really specific examples um, to kind of get everybody on the same page um, with you know, an exam that can certainly be tricky. There was a lot of discussion uh, during this table topic about equine neuroxonal dystrophy um, or ENAD, <laughs> ENAD, and equine degenerative myeloencephalopathy or EDM. Um, these are different diseases, but similar diseases. Um, and there also appears to be some regional differences and, and breed differences and predisposition, predispositions. It was really clear from the questions that came from uh, those in attendance that practitioners were certainly interested in learning more about these diseases and that we are beginning to understand more about them and recognize these more. So I think there'll definitely be more information to come about these diseases um, as, as we get more information kind of as an industry. There was also some discussion about EPM, uh, no big surprise. So um, diagnosis, treatment and prevention strategies were all uh, discussed. Um, the next track that I'd like to highlight, um, or the next session, I suppose, was part of the business of practice track. And Dr. Stacy Cordovano presented um, why employees quit. Psychological safety is key for reducing turnover and improving the bottom line. So Dr. Stacy Cordovano has a podcast um, um, that, you know, is really at the forefront of um sustainability and kind of well-being uh, for practitioners, not just equine, but she's an equine practitioner and, and practice owner. So I think she has a lot of information to share about this. 
Uh, and psychological safety is something that I had maybe heard about, but I didn't really know much about. So um, turns out it's a really relevant topic for equine practice, for sure. So psychological safety is the belief that the work environment is safe for interpersonal risk taking. So we're trying to create a work climate where candor is encouraged and allowed, where mistakes are forgiven, where asking for help is not seen as a weakness, and where questioning the norms can occur without fear of retribution. And that was a quote from her um, session, her presentation that I thought was really good at kind of demonstrating why this is important and how this can help us in equine practice. Um, Research shows that once a culture of psychological safety has been established, team members begin to feel more engaged, are more innovative and more productive. So uh, Dr. Cordovano gave us some um, ways that we can increase the level of psychological safety in our practices and really stressed that awareness is the number one place to start. Um, and that vulnerable leadership really is how um, we can establish psychological safety. And by that, she means leaders should be um, working towards being approachable and accessible as much as, as they can, um, allow the staff to be included in decision-making whenever possible. And a big one is admit fallibility. So let your staff and, and your colleagues know when you make a mistake um, and let them watch you handle it um, and, and make it right instead of pretending that that any of us, um, you know, are, are perfect, which obviously is just not the case. She did have a book recommendation um, that I thought I'd pass along. She recommended The Fearless Organization by Amy Edmondson. Um, if you are looking for more information about psychological safety and how it can uh, help your um, practice or your organization. So the last um, group of sessions that I'm going to cover quickly, um, I thought were super important. And if you have time to go back um, and, and watch them, they're short, but I think gives you a really great snapshot of kind of where we are in the industry as far as um, the AAP's Commission for Equine Veterinary Sustainability. So that was a commission that was just recently formed this past summer. Uh, and, and this session uh, or kind of group of sessions gave those subcommittees um, that make up this commission an opportunity to explain kind of where they are um, and kind of their, their goals for the future or what they're gonna be working on. So under that committee umbrella, there are six subcommittees and those are internships, emergency coverage, compensation, practice culture, student outreach, and mentor groups. Uh, so they are in the early stages of their work together, but we learned kind of what they're working on and, and what their goals are. So the first um, the first subcommittee internships, Dr. Jackie Christikos gave that presentation and uh, she let us know that they're looking at uh, revamping and rebranding the Avenues um, program with an updated website um, and hopefully transitioning to an internship hub uh, with a standardized program submission form and standardized application. So hopefully that'll help both practices and applicants to kind of compare programs and applicants kind of apples to apples. So everyone will, will be able to put in the same information um, and answer the same questions, which hopefully will just make it kind of clearer for everybody. And then they're looking at um, implementing at some point a required review system um, to be filled out by interns at the end of their program. And again, one year later when they have a little bit of perspective. Um, 
and to provide a rating system for practices kind of as the data is collected over the years and housed within that hub. Um, this subcommittee is also looking to put forward some best practices guidelines for internships um, that should be available to the membership soon. And those include transparency, uh, compensation and benefits, duty hours, mentorship and feedback. Um, they're also working on an internship core competencies list, which will be more than um, just the technical competency where, you know, that's the kind of list that we've worked off of in the past. But this internship core competencies list will include clinical reasoning, communication skills, professionalism, um, scholarship, et cetera. Um, they, she said that the next steps would be implementation of a new website and application process that will likely be for the 2024 applicants. Um, it's unlikely that they will have something uh, put together and the, the website designed and, and up and running for the 2023 applicants, which makes sense. And then they'll be looking to beta test the new system and these ideas and a core group of practices to see what works. Today's Disease Is Your podcast is brought to you by Merck Animal Health, the maker of prestige vaccines, Banamine, Panicure, Regimate, Protozil, and other trusted equine health solutions. Merck Animal Health works for you and for horses. Learn more about Merck Animal Health's comprehensive portfolio of products, as well as their unconditional investment in our industry, profession, and community through programs such as the Respiratory Biosurveillance Program, the partnership with Equitrace, which delivers secure, streamlined record keeping and instantaneous temperature measurements when coupled with Merck Animal Health Biotherm Microchips. Visit MerckAnimalHealthUSA.com for more information. Um, Dr. Michael Erskine uh, was a representative from the Emergency Coverage Subcommittee, and he talked about uh, the various emergency service models that are already in existence. Uh, so co-ops, emergency-only practices and services, haul-in-only emergency services, established client-only uh, services, and relief veterinarians. Uh, he stressed that it's important that we educate our clients um, and horse owners about this issue and kind of bring them on board in the discussion. Uh, Dr. Z uh, excuse me, Dr. Jim Zeliff um, discussed uh, the compensation subcommittee um, where they are currently, and they completed a compensation survey this past year and got 1,300 responses. And so his presentation um, really discussed some of the rough numbers, and he said that the results will be published on the website, on AEP's website, once the numbers are fully uh, put together and, and crunched, if you will. Uh, that subcommittee is encouraging business education for practice owners um, and debt management and financial education for all of us. Um, they also touched on non-salary benefits, emergency compensation, um, et cetera. Dr. Julie White uh, gave the practice culture subcommittee update and uh, stressed the importance of uh, managing your culture uh, intentionally. And um, this, sub this subcommittee has put forth uh, four kind of overall categories of how we can improve practice culture, um, leadership development, which includes psychological safety, mentorship support, uh, communication skills, personal growth, and innovative thinking. Um, the subcommittee is focusing first on psychological safety, practice mission and values, boundary setting, horse owner education, alternative work schedules, and tech and team utilization. Um, this subcommittee doesn't intend to reinvent the wheel and really plans to highlight programs that already exist, like the Veterinary Leadership Experience, AEP LEAD, 
MentorVet, Decade One, and the Sustainability and Equine Practice Seminar. Uh, student Outreach, um, that subcommittee, the update was given by Dr. Rhonda Rothgaber. And really her take home message was um, that we need to share our passion for equine practice. And the number one need for aspiring veterinarians is really a positive role model. And just to keep in mind that students are always listening, and that includes vet students, undergrad students, high school students, you know, so these might be clients that you're interacting with. It's not always a student that's riding with you. Um, so certainly there are challenges, um, and, and I don't think that anyone is saying that we shouldn't share those, um, but I think it is important to share, and, and Dr. Rothgaber recommended strongly that we share the positives too. Um, so this subcommittee is putting together a student advisory subcommittee, um, and so there would be one to two representatives from every student chapter of the AAP, um, which will really you know, provide some really interesting and important perspective from the students. Um, and then lastly, Dr. Amy Grice uh, presented uh, the mentor group subcommittee kind of update. And her take home message was really that the programs that are available, um, the goal is to help students and early career practitioners feel like they belong in equine practice which, you know, is, is a difficult metric to measure, right? But it really matters. Um, and so the programs that she covered that I, I'm not going to go into in detail, but I certainly recommend if you're not familiar with any of these that you, um, you know, do some research and, and find out because I think these are all certainly very important programs. So um, decade one, and then an offshoot of decade one is the starting gate program, um, which the starting gate program is designed specifically for equine veterinary students. MentorVet, um, sustainability equine practice seminar and retreat, veterinary management groups or VMGs. And then uh, the VMG group is uh, starting a VMG Embark group, which is basically like VMGs for smaller practices. Um, and that's going to start in 2023. So if anyone has suggestions or ideas relevant to any of these six subcommittees, they're encouraged to reach out to either the chair of the subcommittee or David Foley, who's the executive director of the AAP. So that's all I have. I'll turn it over to Dr. Wright. Hi, thank you, Chrissy. I appreciate it. Um, my name is Cara Wright. I am a professional services veterinarian at Merck Animal Health, and I live in the Bay Area in California. Dr. Craig, number one, thank you for mentioning my talk, and thank you all, the team. It was really nice to be in that room, um, seeing all of your faces in there when I was talking, so thank you so much for your support. Um, and then, Dr. Schneider, thank you for appreciating many of the same talks that I appreciated and giving a much better summary than I was going to. Um, I think the boundaries keynote speaker was really, really good with those takeaways. Um, the other talk that I did want to highlight was the psychological safety with Dr. Cordovano. Um, because I think it does sound like a weird, scary topic or kind of fluffy, you know, like maybe it's not important, but I think it really is, especially as we are trying to encourage people to come to equine practice and stay. Um, my, one of my highlights from AAP was just reconnecting with colleagues and friends that I've met through other programs that I've done. And um, even just in the short time I've worked here at Merck Animal Health, like people that I've met um, on the road and in their clinics, it was really fun to just kind of catch up and see how they're doing. Um, the other thing that I thought was pretty um, 
pretty positive was in those sunrise sessions. So the, um, the one out about practices where Dr. Van Herevald was talking, um, it felt to me like a, there was a positive energy amongst all of the discussions about equine practice and the things we can do to change. Um, whereas in the past, I feel like it's been this big, heavy, sad equine practices struggling and everything is a bummer. But now I feel like when people are talking, you can hear notes of positivity and people are like, well, I did this, you know, how, what are you doing at your practice? And people are sharing and discussing and taking some of that stuff away. Um, which I think is really awesome, right? Like this profession is so great and there's so many ways to make it work. It's really fun to see people connecting with each other to get ideas and, um, and just help make their, their practices great. Um, the sessions that I admittedly am going to be catching up on online over the next couple of weeks uh, because I didn't get to them. Um, there was a whole afternoon about joint therapy discussions, which I think is going to be really interesting and um, a nice summary of some of the the options that are out there that, um, you know, there's there's a lot of joint devices and a lot of things that people are using interarticularly. And I think it'll be really good to go through and listen to um, to some of those talks. And then um, another session that was pretty interesting to me with some of the accounts receivable. There was quite a few discussions about how to manage your accounts receivable, how to decrease your accounts receivable. And I think, um, you know, running a business, like you need to make money. So that seems like a good place to start. Um, and then the last thing that I thought was great, um, I got to go to the student avenues night. Um, and it was really nice to sit in and listen to the discussion. There was a panel discussion and the students had really good questions about equine practice and internships versus practice and things to look for. Um, and they are excited. Um, and there was a lot of them there. So I think, um, again, I think there's a lot of positive to be found, um, especially if you're ready to to kind of make some changes and 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 help equine practice be awesome. So those are my takeaways. Well, thank you so much, Cara. And uh, Dr. Van Hereveld, can you tell us a little bit, except for the fact that, yes, your team is still at the time of this recording in the championships for soccer. OK, we, we we understand that if you want to brag a little, that's fine. But tell us a little bit about AAP, too, and a little about yourself. Yes, my name is Dr. Phil Van Hereveld, and I'm one of the professional services veterinarians, too, on the Merck team. I just joined the team this year. and. I agree a lot uh, with the tone that's been set even at this podcast about people talking about the strong focus of the meeting on sustainability and positive changes for the profession. I think it was a tone that was present at the meeting. I think people were engaged with it um, and it was set by attendance, by the interest in the topics and even the new AEP president, Dr. Rob Franklin, addressing this issue uh, in the opening session openly and even asking for veterinary students to stand up for a round of applause um, in front of all the other members to ind indicate to them, you know, how important they are to us and to our profession and that we value them and that we want them to be part of what we are doing. And I also agree with something that Kara said that, you know, this topic is not on the fringe anymore. It has sort of moved to the forefront. Um, and it used to be the younger generation wanted to talk about this, but I felt this time at the AEP that the older generation, the people that have owned practices for a long time, 
sort of are coming to the table and recognizing this is an important topic. And instead of setting up resistance to this topic, recognizing its value and actually saying that, hey, maybe I could have benefited from this myself a little bit back in the day. So I think that the overall tone for this is a good indication. And I really hope that the AEP can keep this front going because I do think that positive changes will come from this. It was also new for me, you know, as a practice owner for over 20 years coming to the AEP um, and now representing uh, Merck Animal Health at this meeting from the industry side, that we can still have a strong impact on the profession, you know, and that we can still make changes and support changes moving forward. So it was nice for me to recognize that even though I'm in a position, um, that as a team, we still have a strong impact on the profession. So I really enjoyed that. Um, as far as some talks that I went to, the main one that I still feel like I got most out of it was pain management for the performance horse by Dr. Lori Bitwell. Um, she had an overall look at the challenges that it is to keep horses comfortable that have ongoing issues while they're still competing with a lot of the restrictions of drugs and withdrawal times and how to take, uh, you know, alternative ways and proactive ways to try to keep these horses comfortable and sort of trying to find a balance between competition, you know, and, and, and animal comfort. But those were my highlights for the AEP that I enjoyed very much attending. Well, we want to thank you, whole Merck team, so much for joining us, not only for the pre-session, because I heard several people say, oh, I went to a couple of talks just because I heard you guys mention it, but also for kind of helping us wrap up and reminding folks that, you know, they can still go hear some of these sessions online if they were signed up for either the on-demand or the live event at AAP. So, um we really want to thank also Merck for being a longtime sponsor of the Disease Du Jour podcast. And we're really looking forward to next year. The The team has uh, and I have talked a lot together, and I think we've got some interesting and new topics that our audience is really going to enjoy next year. And speaking of that, we want you to go back and listen to past episodes of Disease Du Jour because you can really get some great insights into some of the animal health issues that are going on and some of the great researchers and practitioners who are working to solve these issues might get some tips that work well for you. So go back, listen to them, favorite podcast network, or just go on equimanagement.com and you can find them all there. And if you have any questions or suggestions, make sure to send me an email to kbrown, that's the letter kbrown, at equinenetwork.com. The Disease Du Jour podcast is a production of the Equine Podcast Network, an entity of the Equine Network, LLC.